How's it going, guys? In this episode, I'll be talking to Teresa Monahan, and she is from Minnesota. I hope you enjoy this and find nuggets in here that you can use in your everyday life. Um, this is what we're all about at BattleBud. We are definitely not professionals in the mental health field, but myself and the people I interview have went through it personally and know about PTSD and the symptoms in an intimate and have an intimate relationship with PTSD. So for us, sharing our story is a form of healing for us and also giving back, trying to help uh, people that may have gone through trauma and not knowing how to get help or where to get help or what kind of coping skills to use or what kind of therapy to seek out. Um, this is just our way of letting y'all know what helped us get through our pain and our suffering to where we can manage our PTSD symptoms and live out our everyday lives and take care of our families like we should. And also it helps family members of trauma victims understand what their family members are going through that have been through trauma and spot out red flags before it gets too late to the point where somebody commits suicide or somebody tries to hurt themselves or hurt other people. So I hope you enjoy this. This is my interview with Teresa Monahan. Me and my sister, and when I came home from the hospital, he started sexually molesting me. Oh, wow. That went on until I was seven, and then he remarried and started beating me. Sorry to hear that. that. You know, he had mental issues. Anybody that beats someone has mental issues in my book. Do you know what, I mean, was he actually diagnosed with I I don't know. I lived with him until I was 11 years old. And then the last, I had gone to CPS because lived, I lived in Canada at the time. And CPS up there, he was, now that I understand the different terminologies for the different mentalities of people, um, you would consider him a narcissistic person. He right. was able to con people into believing everything he said. I had gone to CPS and I had told them that he had sexually abused me, that he had physically abused me and mentally and verbally, and I wasn't, you know, allowed to be a child. I had to wash my own clothes. I had to do every single dish in the house. Um, so I was quick, getting. So real quick, I'm sorry to cut you off. So no, you're quick, fine. Did, did, did you yourself go to CPS or did you go to somebody for help and no. they went to CPS? No, I went to CPS myself. And how old were you when you did that? I was 11. How, how did you find out about CPS? If you don't mind me. Through school. Okay, through school. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. It was just starting to come out. You know, I mean, it was back, you know, in the 70s. I mean, it wasn't anything big back then, you know. But I uh, had seen a sign, I believe, and... I went to Child Protective Services, and they called all of us in, and I told them everything that was going on in front of my father, and he conned them in and said that that wasn't true, and he gave me the look that scared the living crap out of me, That, and I said, that's a lie, you know, and well, when I got home, he was all fine for about a week, and then he beat me so bad, it was in the middle of winter, I uh, kind of kicked him where it counts, yeah. and... 
I took off running out of the house with no shoes on, no jacket, and went running to this little restaurant about three blocks away. And they knew me from my mom. And um, Did she she worked there. No, she. That's where she picked us up on the weekend. Oh, okay. Gotcha. They hid me there and called my mom. My mom picked me up, and they, she took me in the hospital because I was black and blue from head to toe. Oh, wow. And then a child Prote- protective services person came in. I wasn't exactly very pleasant to her. I won't repeat the words I said. Right. But I asked her, I said, so now do you believe me? Hey, you were, and, very, you were very, very pleasant with her because of the fact that she let you go home, back home with him, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's totally understandable. And no offense, I know your profession, but the cops came in and I looked at them and I said, are you going to arrest them? They said, we can't. And I said, well, you can get out of the room then. You know, I mean, back then in the 70s, it wasn't, you know, like it is now. Right. And that's Um, what I was about to to throw in there as well. Uh, Now, uh, police officers are obligated to to act. And uh, if if we don't act, then we ourselves personally get in trouble for not acting on, on something that we see. And especially if you have wounds or visible lacerations or bruising or anything like that, you have to act. So, yeah, and that's changed in a positive way over the years. Yeah. Back then, I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, everything was brand new and nobody really knew what they could and couldn't do, really. Right. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, I don't hold it against. Police officers, I honestly don't. I mean, because back then, well, I mean, well, a lot of different. Understand, I do understand your resentment from that era because of what happened to you personally. That's that's understandable. And personally, I would I would feel the exact same way too. Well, happened, you know, I was really angry with child protective services for many years. Um, right. Nowadays, it's like I still have kind of a hard time with them because um, the area I live in, they it's just. There's a lot of things that I don't agree with, and right. you know, but that's my personal feelings, and that's just something that I have to work through. I so. when, whenever you went to the, the restaurant, so pick up from there, and um, what, what happened after that? Did your mom just come pick you up, or? Oh yeah, my mom came and picked me up and took me to the hospital, took me to the ER room, and the doctors put me in a room right away. Okay. Called Child Protective Services, the worker that I had been dealing with had come and I had to call my dad because he had custody of me and I had said flat out I don't want him in the room they had the child protective worker had actually let me go home with my mom that that night then I don't remember too much for a few years because I got to live with my mom but my mom wasn't really a mom she had her problems and I got to pretty much do whatever I wanted but there you know, no, no abuse in that household? Um, no, not really. I mean, there was more mental, you know, because my stepdad was just, you're useless just like your mother, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't, it was there, but it wasn't as bad, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, you know, my stepdad, he was actually better to me than either my parents were, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, the stuff he said to me, I don't hold it against him because it's like, okay, I can understand why he said it, but he shouldn't have said it, if that makes Especially sense. Especially, like, talking to you like a, like you're an adult, maybe? Yeah. Okay. You know, and I was a kid, and it's like, no, you shouldn't have. Right. You know, but anyway, and that's, it, a form, that's, a, that's a form of abuse as well. I mean, right. obviously not, well, sometimes it could be as bad, but obviously not as bad as what you were going through before. Right. You know, 
there's things that, I mean, you've got to understand that, you know, with verbal abuse, it's, it was more my later years that I had to deal with it. You know, um, my grandparents came and got me when I was 13 because my mom was nowhere to be found. And oh, she, they tra- she just up and left? Oh, yeah, she just up and left. You know, my parents oh, you were, were... So you were at home by yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I was, was doing... That? Oh, for a year, I did whatever I wanted. Wow. If I didn't want to go to school, I didn't go to school. If I, you know, wanted to go out and party, I could. Right. I mean, I pretty much didn't have any supervision until my grandparents came and got me, and then I did pretty much whatever I wanted, you know, and then when they came and got me, all of a sudden, here I am living under these rules, and I rebelled. Right. You know, I mean, I rebelled really bad, and... I was trying to run away and trying to, you know, get it so I could go live with my mom again, and that wasn't going to happen. And you were um, trying to run away, and, and you were rebelling and everything. Do you think that part of the reason why was because you were still trying to deal with everything that happened to you? Honestly, yeah. Um, back then, they really didn't have a lot of the mental disorders or anything, mental illnesses right. that they have now. Not only am I diagnosed with complex PTSD, but I'm also diagnosed with bipolar um, 2 and general anxiety disorder and panic um, disorder with agoraphobia. Explain what that is. Panic disorder with agoraphobia is where you want to stay home. You're safe here at your house. You don't like people in here because it's your safe zone. You can never get gotcha. hurt here. When you go out, you... There's a lot of paranoia. Oh, yes. You okay. When you go out, you don't want to be in big crowds. You want just the people that you trust with you. I have um, a service dog okay. with me um, when I do go out. Real quick, tell me about tell me about that. Tell me about your service dog. How did, how did you go about get, uh, getting one? I actually, we went down to Georgia. Um, we saved her from a breeder, and I got her trained through a dog trainer here. But she came naturally with all my disorders. You can um, own, you can train your own dog. You don't have to have her trained right. through a thing in, in so, the U.S. So, so real quick, um, let me jump in real quick. So yep. the last podcast that I, that I recorded is my good friend and childhood friend, uh, Charles Goolsby. And okay. he's a he's a combat veteran, and when he got out of the military, he got certified to be a, a canine trainer, and he now he trains service animals for veterans, and he does oh, awesome. he, and he he does it specifically for veterans mm-hmm. and for I want to say veterans affairs, and and so they'll reach out to him, and he'll travel and train your dog and, mm-hmm. to fit your needs, and that's what that's that's what he does for life for profession, and so it's just. By you bringing that up, it just it, it reminded me about my last podcast because I have him on there. You might you might want to take a listen after after this. And uh, he talks about how awesome it, it is dogs are to to people in in need of these, and um, how much uh, help that the dogs give the give their owners, and oh, yes. how how well trained they are. And yes. yeah, so I, I, yeah, that, I just wanted to throw that in there and. and um, that's why I asked how, how did you go about getting it because there's there's actually now there's a lot of places to where 
you can reach out and they can come out to you and they can help you like that and they'll come to you and, and train your, your animal. There is a lot of places, yes. You have to be very picky right. on who you get because I've seen some people that say that they they train and they have actually used shock collars and you don't want a shock collar. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Dog. You know, yeah, I, um, I, didn't even, I didn't even ask them about that. I, I don't even think that came up. Yeah, no, you don't want that. Mine is actually a very small dog. She is a miniature, she's a miniature dachshund. Oh, nice. She is a cream color. Right now, she's trained to any time that my anxiety is up, like right now, she is actually licking my arm to calm me down. That's awesome, isn't it? Yes, it is. She's very in tune to me. She doesn't leave my side very much. Even at night, she can tell when I'm dreaming or something and I'm having a nightmare, she'll start licking my face to wake me up. That's awesome. Yes, it is. She's a really sweet dog. So yeah, My, my she, friend uh, told me uh, on his last podcast that, that we recorded, um, he said that it, it, it kind of it stuck with me because it was, it was kind of unique. Uh, I'd never heard it before. But he said that a dog spelled backwards is God, and I never even caught that. That's how he, he told me that. And uh, he said that they're natural healers. Yes, yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> I, I, it is. It. Have you heard of that? Have you heard that that saying? Yes, actually, oh, I have. Um, yeah, it was my first time hearing it. I was like, oh man, that was that's pretty good. <laughs> they they are a natural healer, and it is God, you know, because it's like do- He puts dogs into your life. That like I've got two dachshunds, and my my service dog. She is, she's a little lover. I mean, she's like by me constantly, you know, she doesn't, even when she doesn't have her vest on, she's by me working. So whenever, whenever, whenever you take her out in public, have you ran into any issues at all? I do. Places or anything? I have. Um, Like what? They've said, no dogs are allowed. I'm like, she's a service dog. She can't be. She's too small. It's just lack of education for people then. Yes. Um, the people need to be more educated on service dogs, to be perfectly honest, yeah. you know, in the United States. Well, because it's relatively it, new, if you, if you think about it, because it's only like the, what, the last 10 years where people actually like got service dogs like on, out in public, in public places. Yes. So it's something like that, right? Like almost 10 years. It's, yeah, it's been the last 10 years, but it's been the last two years that more people are coming out with them. Right. And a lot of like combat veterans. Oh yeah. You know, and one thing the public needs to realize that if you see a service dog, please don't go up to them. Yeah. You know, they're working, you know, it wouldn't it's not okay to pet them. I mean, would you like your head petted? Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, seriously. Yeah, I hear you. You know, they're working and with me, I've been having some other health issues. They're trying to find out what's going on so she can sense when I'm starting to go, you know, into coughing mode and I can pass out at any time. So she handles that. So it's like people don't understand this stuff. You know, I I don't go to concerts because of this. I go into a courthouse and I have to have her because if there's a case of domestic violence ahead of me or something, you know, like, I mean, I I haven't been to a courthouse for a long time, but, you know, if there's something... It triggers you, right? Yeah, it does. And and that's another thing, too. Uh, I've I've said this before on on one of my podcasts, but um, just to reiterate on it, so triggers are basically anything that triggers a person that went through trauma to go back into into that 
specific incident. And it, it, it brings them back. Like, say, like, for instance, for me, uh, I, I had to shoot and kill a guy who, who was stabbing his wife and, and killed his neighbor with a, with a, uh, steak knife. And so anytime I see real lone knives and I, my, I guess my mind automatically, it's a magnet to it and mm-hmm. I automatically get shivers and, uh, <laughs> uh, tremors basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, sometimes I shake, or not, not anymore, really. But before, before I, I went to uh, a lot of therapy and got the help I needed for it. Uh, but before, it was really bad to where it it affected my everyday life. And now, when I see it, I'm I'm very aware of it now. But it doesn't affect me like it did. If that makes any sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. I've been married three times. My first two husbands were very abusive. Um, my first husband actually took a knife to my throat and was going to kill me. If I didn't tell him I was pregnant, I, w- I wouldn't be talking to you right now because I know he would have killed me. He um, he actually, when I... L- How old were you an- at this time? Um, I was 22. That was your first marriage? Yes. I was, and, yeah, I was 22. And whenever he did that... Did you just stay silent about it, or did you go to the police? Or? No, I stayed silent. Right. I stayed silent for a couple of years, and then we had um, moved over because we were living down in Duluth, Minnesota at the time. And um, I had my boys with me, and he had beat me up. And one of the people that we were hanging out with had gotten sick and tired of it and got some guys to come over, and they drug him outside beat the living crap out of them. Well, well good on them, huh? Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> but then, and then I won't go into what happened afterwards, but um, just put it like this, I got flown out of the state by feds. <laughs> That's oh, a long okay. story. I mean, it's it was a blessing. And there's a lot of things that I did in my past that, you know, but, and then I got divorced from him and then, Come to find out, when I divorced him, he was actually in prison for attempted murder. Oh wow! Um, yeah, but oh, you um, out. somebody was looking after you that night. Yeah, God was really watching over me. I've been really blessed in my life, you know. But therapy has taught me a lot. Um, my second what, what kind, husband. What, what kind of therapy were you going to? I'm still in therapy. Um, right whenever now, I started though. Whenever you first started, like what kind of therapy and what? What age did you start doing it? I started actually two years ago. Um, oh, I'm not going to tell you my age. Yes, I won't tell you my age. I'm too old. Oh no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm old enough to be your mother. So, so therapy for you is is relatively brand new. Yes. Oh wow, it is. Okay. Um, so I started. I started uh, my therapy. Um, see, I got out of the military in oh seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So I didn't start therapy until. Um, 2009, but that was only for a little bit, and that was only because I got into a shooting on duty, and that they made me go go into therapy for like for a couple sessions, and I stopped altogether as soon as I was done with it, uh, with the mandated therapy because I didn't think anything was wrong with me, you know. And um, so after that, a couple years went down the road, and I was going down like a bad downward spiral. And because mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't know I, I even had PTSD, honestly, I didn't know what it was. And then uh, the therapy, the therapist diagnosed me with it. So I started reading up on it. And that's when I started uh, educating myself on it and what others went through, type that kind of thing. And 
So finally, I was I, I finally I was able to to live with it and live comfortably with what I had. My psychiatrist, I see a psychiatrist and a therapist. Right. Um, I see a psychiatrist mostly for my medication because of all of my diagnosis. Right. Um, I think I own a pharmacy. I really do. <laughs> but now you got to be careful because since this is only a your your couple couple years in, so right now they're. Right, you're just going through the phase of you're trying to figure out what medications are good for you, what medications mm-hmm. work in conjunction with the other ones. So I went through all that as well. So be very careful on driving, and uh, because honestly, like you, you won't know until you're actually doing it if if it doesn't mesh well with the other uh, drugs. You know what I mean? I'm not so, actually allowed to drive right now. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. That's another thing I was going to ask as well. Especially if you're on all that medication, because I know um, I, I was on some medication, but it wasn't to the point where it wasn't it wasn't high enough dosages dosages, and um, it wasn't to the point where I couldn't drive or <clears throat> it, it would interfere in my everyday life. Yeah, I'm actually not allowed to drive right now because um, I have they think what I have is called cough syndrome, where I can cough and I lose oxygen and oh, wow. I go into like seizure. I didn't so, know that. Uh, yeah, not many people have. Um, wow. What causes but, that? Do you know? Um, no, they haven't figured it out yet. It's something new, but oh. we are actually testing stuff with me right now. Um, they've got me okay. on a new allergy pill to see if maybe that's the problem. Gotcha. So if any <laughs> listeners are listening right now, and if y'all know what causes that, and if y'all know how to get over it, Email me, and I will definitely email all your stuff to Miss Teresa. Or at the end of the podcast, uh, I'll see if Teresa has an email she would like to put out, and y'all can give her feedback uh, on this podcast. Okay. Sorry, no sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I just want I to. I just, I just, I just know that other people that listen, you know, they're they're a lot smarter smarter than us in some cases, and they might know, you know, because this is nationwide. Hey, I will take any advice possible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm open to suggestions anymore. The therapy that I've been going through, it's just one-on-one. They want me to start DPT eventually, but I'm not ready, my therapist says. Um, So explain what DPT is. I'm honestly really not sure on that. They want me to do DPT. Oh, DPT. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you said DBT. Okay. No, DPT. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know what that is. I'm not quite sure either, to be perfectly honest. I've asked her. She says that it's in a group. I'm. She says with, like, my panic disorder with agoraphobia, I'm not ready to be in it. See, my problem is right now is we're working on trust issues because I don't trust very many people. Gotcha. Okay, I trust my circle. I let very few people in my circle. Matthew, you know, like my, okay, we both have a diehard love for Houston Texans, you know. Right. And I talk to very few of my Houston Texans friends. There's very few that I will actually message, like I'll message you. Right. I message a couple of others. I mean, I've got a lot of them on my Facebook, but that they're on my Facebook. That's it. I don't talk to very many of them. I'm very cautious on who I talk to. I'm very cautious who I let into my circle. Um... I'm scared to let people in because I've been judged so much in my life. That's understandable. You know, and a lot of women that have been in domestic violence situations, they're scared too because they're 
okay, people are going to judge you because of your past, you know, like, especially with me. I mean, I've been in recovery now for 15 years. I used to be, as they call them, a meth freak, meth right. head, whatever. You know, I used drugs so I didn't have to think, so I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to deal with any of my problems, you know. I thought that I was normal when I was using. Well, yeah, I wasn't normal, you know. Um, It actually screwed me up a lot more than what I thought. It cost me a lot, I will admit it. But I've also learned a lot now from it. It's something with me that, you know... Never say never, because any time that I told God I would never do this, he allowed me to do it so I could see. I mean, I can talk to anybody from a homeless person all the way up to the president of the United States and be normal with them. But nobody would know inside that I am panicking or that I'm scared. Right. And and that's, that's something that a lot of us do. Like with me, I would come to work every day. I would be able to do my job every day. I would get awards for my job, you know, everything like that. And so everybody thought that everything was on the up and up with me. But when I get home and I'm in a quiet space, I'm alone. You'd and freak all out. That, all, the, all those stuff, all that stuff comes back, you know, and it comes back like a tornado. And uh, right. so a lot, and 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 you shut everybody else out because you don't want everybody else to to experience that from you because you could. Well, for for me personally, I, I wasn't a nice person back then. You know what I mean? So, like, my temper was very short. I, I would say stuff that I wouldn't mean to be offensive, but it would be offensive. Yeah. Right? And, and it's just little stuff like that. I would just, I, I would stay away from family and, and close friends that I had just to not expose them to that to where it messed my friendship and family up, uh, relationships up. And in, in reality... Me do me spacing myself out actually messed a lot of it up. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. That's so. And, and I understand that because with me, like any time that I see anything with domestic violence on TV or any time I see it with on Facebook or I hear about it or you know anything with cancer because I lost my mom to cancer. I lost. Yes. You want to say like I explained to you before we even started the podcast. I had. A family that took me in after my mom passed away because me and my grandparents, there was no way. Right. They became like my family. And I called them mom and dad. Well, dad's passed and he passed from cancer. You know, so cancer is a big trigger for me. It scares me. It scares me. It scares, you know, it really upsets me. Right. Um, when I'm not on my medication, anybody can tell because I have meltdowns. I freak out. I'm mean. It's people can tell by my statuses because I get messages on Facebook. Are you okay? Have you taken your meds today? You know, my husband who I have now, oh my God, what a blessing. I mean, this guy has been sent from heaven, I swear. Um, Oh, definitely. And and that's another thing I want to hit on as well. A lot of the listeners don't understand that a, a, a big push in recovery is who you have with you by your side every day, right? Yes. So it's, it, with me, uh, back in the day, I mean, I, I was I was single and I was dating, you know, girls, not not really caring who I was dating, you know, yep. and and they would add the fuel to the fire. I would I wouldn't know how to calm down, right? So I, I would just 
go crazy all the time. <laughs> Basically, and go partying and drinking until I pass out, and you know. That kind right. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, understand. I mean, yeah. So every, everybody, uh, everybody has their their person, and and with me, um, uh, I mean, like it's every every marriage, you know, you you have to work work your way through it, and it has ups and downs, but. And when it's all said and done, you know, she's a homebody and she loves me like crazy and she brings a calmness to my world and she she made a home for me and it for for my recovery it helped a hundred times over, you know, from what I was. It's just like my husband. I mean he is Jimmy's awesome with me. I mean, we had a period where I went through like six months of really, really bad depression and it almost cost me my marriage. Wow. But we came through it and it actually made us stronger, you know. Now, did y'all go through counseling for that or did y'all just work it out yourselves? We worked it out ourselves. We've never okay. been to counseling. That's good. But, you know, we're each other's strength. Even when I'm having a bad day because also, I also have fibromyalgia and it affects my legs. Right where there's times that I can't walk wow. and he has to help me, you know, and it affects my business because he has to do the work, Right. but he's there for me, you know. It's um, awesome to have somebody there that, that picks up whatever, wherever you, you uh, leave off. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it is, you know, and I don't care what anybody says, you know, if somebody's in a domestic violence situation, you can get out of it. You do not have to stay in it. You know, right. there is too much help there nowadays. Now, is, is there is there any resources that you that you utilize to get out of these situations, these um, these domestic violence situations from from your husbands? Because obviously, we, we only went over one of your husbands. But you you said the other, you had two more after him after that one that also you went through domestic violence. My first one, my first one, I actually was removed from the state by the federal government. Um, he actually put a contract out on my life because he thought that I had narked to the DEA about his weed field over in Wisconsin, him and his partner. And I didn't, but he thought I did, which is kind of funny because I found out years later actually who did. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. And the person actually has passed away now, but and then but no, so the federal government actually relocated me. Um no, I wasn't under the witness protection program, they just relocated me. Gotcha. So, um they put me in a woman's shelter, blah blah blah, you know. Mm -hmm. But I was and my second husband, um, I actually just up and left him and left the state, went to Nevada. I was in Arizona and I went to Nevada. And that that husband was abusive too, or no? Oh, abusive wasn't the word. Oh, really? Oh, he. I mean, it, it was bad. He was, you know, no offense, you don't see me wrong here, but you know, there's that stereotype with Hispanic men that they abuse their right. women, and yep. Well, he was one of them, you know, and I know that it's not true, you know, with all of them. Yeah, every, every race has their has yeah. their men that 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 abuse women. You know, there's cowards in every race. Right. You know, and it, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's there's so many there's so many people that you know stereotype blacks or Hispanics or whites or you know it doesn't matter. It's in every race. Right. You know, it's something that people don't realize that they're taught. Oh yeah. 
You know, well, and it's, it's, it's it, they either witnessed it when they were younger by their father yeah. doing it to their mother, or other way around, or yeah. you know, it, it, they're they're groomed like that, and and they don't understand it. They're, they don't even know it until they actually get themselves into a relationship, and they right. something happens where it takes them off, and they act just like their their parents did. You know. Well, and you know the thing is, it's like my my husband now, okay. He's seen his father beat the living crap out of his mother, and he right. swore that he would never, ever well, get and, a female. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, you have either one extreme or the other, right? So, like, yeah. one extreme is going to be, okay, I'm going to act exactly like my, my father, or I'm going to act exactly like what I saw. Or the other one is going to be, okay, I I saw what what happened and the effects it had on my family and back then, and I'll be sure to never do that. My new family type thing. Right. Yeah. So it's um, that's my husband. I mean, he is. I mean, he is the most awesome man you could ever think of. That's you awesome. know, he served ten years in the military, did tours. Okay. Um, he was army. Okay. Nice. You know, he's. You know, we li- I lived the military life with him. You know, I stood beside him. I wasn't one of these wives that went out to the bars while he was right. deployed. I stayed home. You know, I was safe from my house. I didn't want that reputation, you know. Right. I didn't let anybody in. I kept to myself. Didn't want the drama. Right. And now we live back in my hometown. I couldn't ask for anything better, you know. This is we, Minnesota. Minnesota, right? Yes. Okay. We moved back to Minnesota in 17. It's funny because he's not used to how the northern people ask. Yeah. Or you know, what's that? Or talk. Right, or talk, you know. <laughs> and it's it's cute, you know, because he, he's learning how to do things up here that he's never done, and um, like water tubing and, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Stuff like that. I mean, he's just, he's loving it up here, and it's awesome for him, you know. And it's awesome for me to be around the people I call family because they're the, my biggest support. They're my biggest help. So touching on that real quick. Can you kind of explain to everybody how family or friends that are just like family play a huge role in recovery? Anybody that is close to you and understands, not understands what you've gone through, but understands you and cares about you, truly, honestly cares, they will accept you for how you are. They will be there if you need them. My family knows when I'm having a bad day. If I'm having a meltdown, I can call any single one of them, right. and they'll they'll talk to me until I'm fine. They will come over and sit with me until my husband gets home. And there was a day a week ago that, actually, you know, this I was out of my medication until, right. and I was a basket case, and they went and got my meds for me, you know, because it's, 25 minutes and I had no way to go get them and my husband brought them home and, you know. Right. Um, there's support. They there's care. Support yeah. yeah. And that's something anybody in in any kind of a situation needs, you know, whether it's PTSD or whether it's bipolar or whether it's anything, anything mental they need. Right. You know, it's, people have got to understand that it's out there. Like we were talking about therapy. They support me 100%. They can tell when I don't go to therapy because I bottle everything up. Right. And I get, you know, I get angry because I don't let it out. My husband goes to every therapy session with me. He knows everything. 
That's awesome. I don't hide anything from him, you know. Um, he knows about all my abuse. He knows about, you know, my drug use. He knows everything about me. And it's good to have somebody like that. It honestly is, you know. He knows about my PTSD. He understands that. He, when I'm having a rough day, he's like, okay, what do you want to do? Just leave me alone. Let me do my crafts, you know. Right. You know, I need help with something. Like, if I can't get up the stairs, he helps me up the stairs, you know. Right. I mean, you've got to have your support system. You've got to know who you have got can go to. Definitely. But You've got a support system. You, you, I, I see that you're pretty big on your faith as well. I'm sorry. You're pretty big on your on your faith as well. Oh yes, very big on my faith. Um, are, do you have a certain church that you go to, or I'm LDS. Okay. And okay. What, can you explain that? I'm Mormon. Mormon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, and um, um, what specifically uh, helped you get get through your recovery with your faith? God's always been by my side. Okay, he's he's always been here for me. Um, when I got baptized, Mormon, LDS, however you want to say it, you know, a lot of people don't understand LDS, so I'll just say Mormon. Right. I understood a lot more about Christ himself, so I try to act more Christ-like now. And with with all my mental disorders and stuff, it's really hard at times. Right. But you got to remember that we're human. We're not perfect. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you're LDS, if you're Protestant, we're human. Right. You know, and either way, he still loves us. Oh, definitely. And to me, like, it, it doesn't matter to me what religion that you choose to follow, anybody, as long as you follow it, right? As long as you, you, you actually take the word as it is and you incorporate it in your life, in your everyday life. Like, just basically be a good person, you know? Right. As long as you're using that, that religion to be good, uh, a good person at heart, and it reflects to your, to the people that are around, that are around you. And I think that's, I don't have a problem with any, any religion. It's, huh. that's, that's what you're doing. Right. And see, that's the thing, okay? It's, a lot of people think, oh, okay, because you're Catholic, you can't, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that. But, you know, you have to follow what you believe in. Okay, because it's not a building that you go to. It's Christ you go go to. It's God you go to, you know. It's them that you have to have faith in, that you have to trust. Right. You know, there is... Go ahead. I was going to ask you... I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, um, in in the the Mormon faith, do you all have, like... Uh, what do they call it? Well, in other words, do they have therapy among the the church that you that, that you go to, or we have therapy. Yes, we could go to our bishop. We could go to you, you know, know counselors. I know, I know, I know. A lot of people they prefer to go to religious counselors and religious therapists, other rather than going to like a regular therapist or counselor. Just I because don't. They, they, okay, okay, yeah. Some people do. Some people don't. I was, that's why I was I was asking. We do. Uh, we have. People, I was I was just gonna say because some people. Like the correlation between their religion and what they're going mm-hmm. through, you know what I mean? Right. See, I don't. Okay. And the reason for that is because I like to be able to be myself. Right. Okay. I want to be able to talk about myself and get my get my things out of my past and actually talk about it. Yes, I know that Christ has forgiven me for everything I've done, but in order to Help my recovery. I still need to talk about it and get it out. Gotcha. Definitely. And I think you know that as well. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I'm sorry, about but it in the form of therapy, right? In itself. 
And then that's another thing, like, also, I don't know if you've done it yet or not, but uh, another huge form of therapy is writing it all out. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's that's how I got my, uh, that's actually how I wrote my book. It, 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 I didn't start it off being a, with the intention of being a book, but it was actually a form of therapy, and I just had a ton of, a bunch of different stories that I just put together and made it flow into a book. Me personally, what I would do is I would get a little, a little further into your recovery before you started doing that. Uh, just yeah. because, yeah, just because that way you can open up more in in your in your literature and when you whenever you start writing. Yeah, and there's no way I could do it right now because, like, I you know, you and I talked a little bit uh, on mm-hmm. Facebook, and I've told you there's some things that have triggered me. And like when you yeah. you know you talked about your book, I says you know I want to buy it, but I'm scared to. Right. You know, no, I totally understand. Yeah. And it's like, don't don't take me wrong, Matthew. I mean, I have definitely been bragging about your book to my friends. Oh, I appreciate you. A lot of people don't understand that PTSD is is something that you can't see. Right. You know, they a lot of people don't understand PTSD. That's the problem. Yeah. And they don't understand and, and, and that. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because a lot of people don't understand what PTSD is, and they kind of brush it aside like it's nothing. Right. And, um, I also go over in, my, in the book, I go over how family and friends can pick up red flags from their loved ones who went through trauma. Because, of, like, with, for me, I didn't know I had PTSD until four years into it. And for them, they could pick up those red flags that I have in the book and just address it. You know what I mean? And uh, confront them with it. Like, hey, how are you doing? Have, uh, have you been diagnosed with this? If you haven't, let's let's go see a counselor or let's go seek help before it turns into, hey, this guy just committed suicide because of this, this, and this. You know what and I mean? that's the thing, you know, people with PTSD, honestly, like with myself, okay, um, there's some PTSD groups on Facebook that I'm in. There's a couple that I don't recommend because they're. Honestly, I feel that they're run by the old narcissistic people. You get to know the difference um, after you are in therapy and you understand the terminology and you can learn to pick out the people. Right. Um, but support groups are really big. I mean, okay. really, really helpful. And you get to know some of the people and you get to you get to be close to some of them. I've got a friend in Canada that he's gotten to be like family. He had actually tried to commit suicide a year ago. His sister had messaged me because he wanted her to her to get a hold of me. Um, he says, please get a hold of Teresa. He says, you know, and I got close to his family because of it. Right. And now anytime he's getting depressed or anything, he gets a hold of me and we talk for hours on That's Facebook. Great. You yeah, know? And, 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 and in a sense, you become his battle buddy, right? Yeah. That's what that's what that's what a battle buddy is. It's, it's, right. It's somebody that helps other people through trauma, and that's actually what my name, my brand name is, is Battle Bud. It's just short for Battle Buddy. But, right. Um, but yeah, that, and that's that's a perfect example of being somebody's battle buddy, and it doesn't have to take much, you know, just just answer whenever somebody calls. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's and all you, it is, really. And you know, the thing is, okay, it's like, and I'm gonna say this for anybody that's listening. The worst thing to say to anybody when they're having an episode of, you know, like whether it's anxiety or having a trigger or something is telling them that it's going to be okay. 
because in their head it's not it's not going to be okay yeah. you know you need to talk them talk to them and find out what exactly is wrong find out how can i help you what can i do for you right now right. they're going to tell you i don't know okay they're going to tell you i can't even help myself and just sit there and listen to them actually listen open your ear be quiet and listen Oh, definitely. And you know, and people and people live to be needed, right? Like they live for a yeah. purpose. So you just gotta listen to them long enough to where you need to find what their purpose is to help them that way. So like if if you talk to them long enough to where you can tell that you know he has a real close connection to his sister or to his mother or whoever, then you that's the point that you gotta hit on, and you gotta reassure them that hey, well let's let's get her on the line. Let's call her. Let's do this. Let's set up something that has to do with her or that right. person. And then in their mind, it'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's something I can look forward to. Right. right. So right. for that moment, you got them help for that moment and until you get them the real help that's needed, you know? Right. And I kind of and don't, the situation. And don't ever be scared. Like if they're talking, you know, suicide, they don't, okay, the best thing, if they're talking, you know, I don't want to live, you know, I just want to be dead. I just want, don't ever be scared to call, you know, 911 in their area and oh, say, exactly. listen, you know, because exactly. they need help, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean. And, and, that's, and that's another thing, too, too while, while you're talking to them, you kind of fill out, fill out the seriousness of the situation. And right. And if, if it's to the point where you feel that they might hurt themselves, I mean, straight up ask them. Uh, there's been a few times where I I straight up asked them like Are you thinking about hurting yourself? You know it, that 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 question alone, it'll shock them and it'll and and they'll have to answer on their on their toes, right? Yeah. So if if they if they pause for a minute, then you might want to pick up the phone and and call uh, somebody else. You know what I mean? And and have them on their way over there to that house. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You know, is a lot of people they they need to learn to. Listen to what people are saying. Like, my family knows, like my husband especially, when I'm having a really bad day and I'm stressed. Stress is one of my biggest triggers. Stress with anything, right? Yeah, like, with anything. anything. Really, yeah. It's it's a big trigger for me. I'll sit there and I'll just start rocking or whatever, you know, or I'll yeah. fidget spinners or really good for my anxiety, I'll start spinning that and spinning it and spinning it and he'll look at me or I'll start crying and, you know, because I just don't know what to do anymore. And I'll look at him and I'll say, please don't leave right now because I really don't want to be alone, you know. Right. And he'll know that, okay, she's got crazy thoughts in her head. And yeah. I'll just start praying to, you know, I'll, I will, I'll start praying about it. And like yeah, I said, whatever, you know. My, whatever whatever helps you, I mean, you got to do what you yeah. So like, real quick, what what um what what things do you do to calm you down besides the the you said a spinner? Yes, the fidget spinner. So basically, it takes your mind off of off of whatever it is, and it it, it focuses on the spinner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that and um, I see you do arts and crafts too. Oh yes, I do so a that, lot I'm of. I'm pretty and sure crafts. that that's a lot, that's healing in itself as well, right? It all depends, honestly. Yes. Um. It depends on if my mind, if I can focus. There's right. times where I'm triggered really bad where I can't focus. So 
I won't, I can't do my arts and crafts. What I'll do is I'll pick up my phone. I've got a game on my phone and everybody's going to laugh because I'll play Disney Battle Heroes. <laughs> it's a kid's game. Yeah. But I will sit there and I will play it because I can battle yeah. and I can get my anger out yeah. on something that is just imaginary, you know? It, and, it, and, and people have, and different people have different ways of doing it. Like for you, you, you do that. You play games and you do the spinner and you do I'll arts do and crafts. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. And um, with me, I, I used to be, uh, I used to work out a lot whenever I, I was stressed out, and that would push a lot of the stress out of me. Um, I used to do that. I used, I used to go to spend time with family. You know, I just uh, go to sh- go shoot. Me and my old man would go shoot guns. You know, just stress relievers. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. So everybody has their own way of of dealing with it. Um, that's just something that you got to figure out on your own on what helps you personally. Now, to all my to my, all my listeners, what helps y'all personally? Because everybody's different. So something that one person does to um, ease the stress could intensify the stress for you, right? So you just got to fill it out and, and try different things and come up with whatever you, helps you the best. Well, happy early birthday to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but, um, but I'm sorry. I had a great conversation with you, and, and I think uh, our listeners are definitely going to find a lot of uh little nuggets in here that they can use and uh for their own lives and uh i, oh, I think I you, you so. help a lot of people today i hope so you know uh, well, i think, I, I think I really you help me today too oh thank you so much and I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day i know you're you're busy with all your crafts and your two businesses and and dealing with your ptsd and stuff in your early stages of, of recovery i really appreciate you opening up like this to to me and my and, and my listeners no i appreciate you asking me i really do help me Oh, definitely. And if you uh, need anything, just inbox me like you always do, and and, uh, we'll go from there. Likewise. All right, man. Well, you have a good day. You too, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And if you found this episode interesting or helpful, please go check out my book, Silent Screams. It's on trauma and my personal uh, stories on PTSD and coping skills and skills that I learned that did not work out well for me and coping skills that did work out for me. Um, Again, I'm not a professional in the mental health field, but I feel that others can learn from my story as well as others and Together, we can help overcome this uh, battle against suicide uh, stemming from PTSD symptoms. The name of the book is Silent Screams, and it, you can find it anywhere books are sold online. It also is an ebook, so it is on Kindle as well. Thanks for listening, guys.